Hey everybody, this is Kate. And I'm Michelle. And you're listening to the Ball Blast Podcast. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us for the first ever episode of the Ball Blast Podcast. We're here to talk some football and we hope that we'll help to bring you that fantasy title in 2019. Please keep listening as we progress through this offseason. Hit that subscribe button. Follow me on Twitter at FFBallBlast. Lots of news to talk about, Michelle, with the official start of the 2019 league year. Um, some blockbuster trades, some big free agent signings that are going to have a significant fantasy impact in the 2019 year. So um, I think it is time to acknowledge, as Steeler fans, the, uh, the big, fat, giant elephant in the room. Antonio Brown. How'd you know? Oh, just a wild guess. Okay, so Antonio Brown was traded to the Raiders. In case any of you are on uh, Antarctica or are living under a rock of some sort, um, Antonio Brown to the Raiders for a third and fifth round pick, which is probably the biggest value we're ever going to see on a top caliber wide receiver in the history of football. Yeah, it was definitely a steal for the Raiders, for sure. Uh, Obviously, as a Steelers fan, we would have much rather seen a first or second round pick back for him. But I think we can all agree with his recent antics on social media, um, his interviews with ESPN. I think that was about as good as we were going to get in that trade. Um, He clearly wanted out of Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh clearly wanted him out. So I think we should be all happy with that second pick in that third round. And hopefully we can pick someone great there. Now, Antonio Brown is somebody who is used to production. He's... uh, Top three wide receiver in the NFL. There's obviously room for debate there of where he falls in that top three. But um, six seasons straight with 100 receptions, 1,200 yards. How do you think he's going to fare in, uh, with, with Derek Carr throwing him the football? You know, I think he'll be a target monster. I still think he'll have an okay career in Oakland. Um, I'm a little skeptical that he can ever get to that 1,600-yard mark, 15 touchdowns ever again with Derek Carr. I know Derek Carr truthers will say he was super accurate in 2018 and people aren't giving him the respect he deserves. But Completion and, percentage of 68.9% in 2018. Yeah, but that I think that was an outlier. Um, before that, 2017, he had 62%, 63%, 61%, 58%. So those are his... Uh, career marks for completion percentage. I think that 68 was uh, an outlier, and he was throwing the ball very short. I mean, I think his yards per attempt was about 7.6, if I'm correct. 7.3. 7.3, so even worse. So, I mean, it's a lot <laughs> It's a lot easier to be accurate when you aren't throwing the, bar, uh, the ball very far down the field. And I think with Antonio Brown, you're going to have to start taking those chances. We'll see how accurate he can be when he's throwing the ball deep. Now, I, uh, I think the first and only and last time they ever had a uh, wide receiver, the, the Raiders did, uh, that had 100 receptions for 1,200 yards was in 1997. Um, I, don't, I, I, I do think you're right. I think that Antonio Brown will command targets. Um, we've already seen reports that he's been working out with Derek Carr already. We're three days into his trade, four yeah, I think he's been trying to make it very clear that he's he's best buds with Derek Carr already at this point. Every day there's something else that they're doing and taking a picture together for Instagram. Um, I, I saw someone being like, he's trying to be that ex-girlfriend, trying to prove that she's better <laughs> off um, without her ex. So 
Well, I think um, I think that's going to be sort of an interesting thing. So uh, we did see that Antonio Brown, you know, definitely had this this thing with Ben Roethlisberger. We saw him, you know, he wanted the ball. He's uh, he does. He always wants the ball. He wants to be the focal point of that offense. Which, when you look at their other offensive weapons, it, like you can't not make him your yeah, your he, prime he'll focal, be the focal point. point. I think his yards will still be there. He'll get those 1,200 yards. Um, I can't see him coming anywhere close to his 15 touchdowns he got in 2018. All of the wide receivers for the Oakland Raiders last year had a total of nine touchdowns. So six less than Antonio Brown did. I cannot see his numbers staying the same in that category, but he may be able to make up for it in a reception since he will be that target hog and won't have Juju on the opposite side um, stealing some of those targets. Okay. All right. I like it. Um, I, I do think we're probably going to see him um, fall closer to the like lower tier wide receiver one um, as opposed to like a top wide receiver prospect in fantasy in 2019. Yeah. And everyone needs to remember, it takes some time for wide receivers to get used to new systems, a new quarterback. Almost always when a, a wide receiver joins a new team, it takes that full first year for them to really start getting that connection. So even if we see A.B.'s numbers drop down in 2019, he can always come back to his normal A.B. self in 2020. All right, I like it. Um, there's another elephant in the room. <laughs> The Steelers have a lot of elephants in the room. Okay, so uh, Le'Veon Bell to the Jets. Um, he became a free agent this year. He obviously sat out the 2018 NFL season um, after refusing to sign his franchise tender, which was, um, you know, I, I've seen a lot of debates online about whether or not that was a smart career move, but he got some guaranteed money. It was close to the same amount of guaranteed money that the Steelers gave to him. Um, but he's been sitting out a year. So he's he's going to the Jets. He's going to be the lead guy. He's got a young quarterback who's ready to throw him the ball. Um, you know, he's he's going to be an outlet there for Sam Darnold. Yeah, I think it was a great signing by the Jets. I'm not so sure the opposite way. Was it a good signing for Bell to go to the Jets for his career? I'm not positive about that. I think the Jets got him for a steal with the amount of money they gave him. I was surprised that I'd... Um, a team didn't open up their wallet to him. He was fantastic when he played last um, in 2017. It was a pretty similar contract to what he received with the Steelers, a similar contract yeah. offer. Um, I do get the whole guarantees if that's what he wanted. That's okay. I mean, I think he would have still ended up making more with Pittsburgh, but we can debate that for hours, and no one's going to be happy with that. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not go down that rabbit hole. Um, so, Bell, he's he's probably one of the most unique uh, runners in the NFL. He's uh, got every everybody's favorite word when we talk about Le'Veon Bell is patience. So um, you watch him. He he waits for his offensive line uh, to establish their blocks, follows them tremendously. He's he's just he's incredible to watch. And uh, you you think when you watch him that he should be getting pummeled behind that line, but he just waits. He finds a hole and he runs through it. Um, you know, despite the number of carries on his body, you have to admit that he's he's elusive. Um, and because of his patient running style, he's not this straight run up the middle, take blows to the, the head, the shoulders, the neck area like every other guy is. So um, he has limited, you know, maybe some of the, the wear and tear on his body because of his running style. But uh, in 2018, the Jets had the 25-ranked offensive line. What do you – like, how is he going to deal with this offensive line, the Steelers – 
Yeah, the Steelers um, have always had, in the last few years, one of the best offensive line in the league. I'm not sure he's going to be able to play in that same way um, behind the Jets' offensive line unless they really um, focus on fixing that in this offseason. Maybe they'll bring in some um, really talented guys or hit on some draft picks, but they're going to need that for Bell to be able to be patient behind that line. And if he can't play in that same style, I'm not sure how productive he will be. All right, we're going to talk uh... – Hint, hint. We're going to talk about him a little later, so let's move on. Tevin Coleman to San Francisco. Um, he is a Kyle Shanahan guy. Kyle, Kyle Shanahan knows how to run the football. He knows how to develop these offensive guys. He knows how to um, use these running backs in a, a very productive way. We saw him use Tevin Coleman with uh, Foreman Freeman years ago, um, you know, before he was uh, working with San Francisco. Uh, and we saw so much production. We saw Coleman be productive out of the backfield. McKinnon's coming off the ACL. Um, what do you think about this signing? How is this going to impact Jarek McKinnon if we don't see him traded or released? Um, what's this going to do for him? Yeah, and as a dynasty owner of Jarek McKinnon, I'm not happy with the signing at all. But I think Coleman will be will be used correctly in San Fran. Um, I don't think he's going to be this workhorse back. Uh, Kyle's already used to having him on his team. I think he'll be used more in the passing game. And um, Coleman knows the system. Yeah, he does. I think he'll be great. Um, this definitely hurts McKinnon's value as we all thought he was going to take over that backfield this year. We were hoping for that last year, and then he tore his ACL. So we're not even positive he's going to make the team this year. He could be cut soon here or maybe um, before the season starts. So we'll see what ends up happening to him. But I'm really not high in either of these guys for 2019. I don't want to have to take a chance um, on picking them too early in the draft and then seeing that they're taking uh, carries from them as week and week go by. Well, and I think this is a great, great reminder um, for every fantasy owner out there, whether it's Dynasty, Redraft, whatever you got. Running back by committee is never a good thing for anybody's production. I don't care um, what team you're talking about. Usually there, there have been two, two teams that I can think of that have been able to pull this off for fantasy purposes, um, and that was the, the Atlanta Falcons with Kyle Shanahan and um, the Saints. Who yeah. they know how to run the ball. They know how to jam it down your throat. And honestly, we saw them do that very well in 2017. But in 2018, I think both Kamara and Ingram took a hit. There were some games that they were both awesome, and then some games where one of them would disappear or the other would disappear. And it it wasn't as dynamic as it was um, in 2017. And I think that's when you you have to make that that decision when you're looking at that offense and knowing how that offense operates, knowing how the coaches operate that running back by committee, you need to be cautious before you invest heavy assets in those um, into the draft. Um, another blockbuster trade, can you guess? I love it. OBJ. OBJ to Cleveland, Cleveland. Um, for those of you who don't know, I went to college in Cleveland. Um, Michelle lived in Cleveland for a number of years. We Although we are Steelers fans, um, please don't hate us. We we love Cleveland. Love Cleveland. I know it's against all the rules of. Uh... Oh, every rule. It it <laughs> it's against every rule, and that's okay. Um, it's an realize. amazing city. It's yeah. an amazing city. And everyone needs to realize that Cleveland was never a threat to the Steelers <laughs> until for, now. Yeah, until right now, and we're. It's just an exciting time to be a Browns fan. Um, even if we're also a huge Steelers fan, we can hope for them both to do great in 2019. 
Yeah, one of, uh, one of those teams should have a good year. We'll see who it is. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> Cleveland's a great city. If you haven't been, I, I definitely recommend it. Um, super fun. So many bars, so many restaurants, uh, sporting events. Literally, you can hop from a, uh, a baseball game to a basketball game to a football game in, like, the same 24-hour period. It's yeah. kind of cool. Anyway, OBJ. OBJ, I love it. Um, a lot of the same stuff, what we're saying with Antonio Brown, though. So um, it takes some time for a connection between wide receiver and quarterback. So we may see a little bit of struggles in 2019 with Baker and OBJ, especially because Baker is so young. So it'll take him some time to get that connection, but I think he's going to be great. Um, maybe not as much of a, as a target monster as AB, since there are other great pieces there. I do think this takes a hit on Callaway and Njoku the most. I was so excited for Callaway. Yeah. Heading into the season, I really thought I, I made a lot of trade offers for Callaway in my dynasty leagues. I didn't get him in any of them. You know and what? I, I think he's super cheap right now, and I still think he's a fine person to go target and get if you get him on a cheap. What kind of value? Enough. What kind of value would you expect for Callaway at this point, knowing that? Now he's he's third fiddle. We know that that they've used Nick Chubb in the past game. Now they add Kareem Hunt after week eight. I think you can get him for really cheap. I think people are down on him, um, especially those that didn't get to see his talent if they weren't watching a lot of Browns games last year. Um, he had I a lot of drops. He did. Um, it, you know, before Baker came in, um, you know, he did have that, I think, long bomb touchdown against the Saints. It was an incredible catch. He's known to be talented. Um, the only reason he dropped as far as he did was due to some off-the-field concerns, which, um, you know, we, we – TBD. Um, we'll see how those develop. But he's he is a talented receiver. We really saw him flourish after he had some time with Baker Mayfield, made some impressive catches, did contribute to the team. Um, he's still going to be involved. He won't. Get, he will probably see the same amount of targets as last year. They're definitely not going to increase with OBJ and Landry there. Um, but I still think he'll be involved in there. Some concern for Njoku as well. I was really excited to to have Njoku as an asset this year. Um, I really thought that this was sort of going to be Njoku's opportunity to grow in his target share, develop more as a pass catching tight end. I think Njoku takes the biggest hit out of this. I, I, I know that we talked about this before, and you think it's Callaway, but I think we were all pretty like disappointed by Njoku's numbers last year. I know he still was good when you know comparing him to other tight ends in the league just because the tight end landscape in 2018 was just so gross. But we all wanted more. There were so many games you played him, you just got nothing. And I don't see that changing now. I think he's still going to be somewhat involved. He's going to have those games with five, six targets, or he's going to have those games with two targets. So hopefully we can see him take that jump up and get some more touchdowns and be that red zone threat with his height and build, but I probably won't be targeting him in uh, any of my drafts. Maybe not targeting him, but if he falls to you, he's, he's, a, he's a talented tight end. I like to watch him play. He's very strong. He can he can make some contested catches. He can bulldoze his way into the end zone. So given the tight end landscape, I'm not writing Njoku off, but I definitely think that, you know, Evan Engram's a, a clear beneficiary of the OBJ trade. Um, and he, you know, if it wasn't already clear, has already bumped Njoku out of the water there when it comes to 
fantasy value in 2019. Yeah. And it's not like I, yeah, I don't, if he falls to me really far, I wouldn't be against having him on my team. What round are you thinking? I wouldn't take him before round seven. Ugh, I don't know, eight, nine, actually. Really? I think he'll go around the O.J. Howard, Evan Ingram. I think he's going to go too early because oh, of his talent. Yeah, exactly. I would much rather would have rather. O.J. Howard or even Evan Ingram now oh, that yeah. OBJ has gone on my team. Um, there's also some other tight ends I'd rather focus on and take that risk on than having to draft Njoku too early. Ian Thomas. Yeah, Ian Thomas is a good late-round tight end. He's that my dude. I would be even happier and more excited about his potential than Njoku's at this point. Interesting. All right. Um, somebody we wanted on the Steelers, John Brown, um, headed to the Bills. So I, I think there's been um, a lot of uh, hype, it, like towards the end of the last uh, last portion of the fantasy season, 2018, um, when we saw Josh Allen come back from his elbow injury, becoming fantasy relevant, he was um, a, a league winner. If you played him in your Super Bowl, hopefully week 16, um, he might have won you that week, unless you played Aaron Rodgers instead. He he worked out pretty well. But John Brown to the Bills. Um, there were a lot of pass catchers that we saw sort of start to develop at the the end of last year. Foster, Zay Jones. Um, now we have to add in John Brown, uh, Cole Beasley, the goat, um, headed to the Bills as well. I think this has been one of the worst off seasons for my dynasty, my main dynasty team. <laughs> um, I just happened to have John Brown, Foster, and Zay Jones Whoops. on my roster, and I was happy for uh, Robert Foster for next year. He he looked great. Um, clearly, Josh Allen liked to target him, but now that John Brown's there, they're they're the same type of wide receiver, kind of. They're both those deep threats. So, and I would say that I would say that John Brown to the Bills, Cole Beasley to the Bills. Those are all signings that, in my mind, boost up Josh Allen, mm-hmm. and they downgrade the rest of the pass-catching bats. There's too many options. Yeah. Um, I was really excited for John Brown if he just went to really any other team. <laughs> I, if he went to the Steelers, I was going to be so excited, and I think that would have been huge for both John Brown and for the Steelers. And he was projected to have over 1,000 receiving yards with Flacco last season. Flacco threw him the ball deep, so maybe we'll see that with John, um, with Josh Allen. He does have a rocket ship of an arm. Yeah, we'll see how accurate he can be and if he can actually get the ball anywhere near John Brown. I like Josh <laughs> Allen. I like Josh Allen a lot, but he wasn't the most accurate last year, so he'll definitely need to improve on that, and we'll see if he can take that jump up in his second year. Yeah, similar, similar to Lamar Jackson, most of his fantasy value did come from the rushing ability. Um, you know, most of the fantasy leagues out there are tilted to – give a benefit to the rushing quarterbacks because of the the way scoring happens. So um, I I definitely think it is a boost for Josh Allen, though. I'm excited to see him. I do have him in a couple of dynasty leagues, which I'm pretty hyped. Yeah, and I'll still take a chance on John Brown late in the drafts. If he falls super late, I think he's one of those good uh, veteran picks that you can pick in that, I don't know, 12th. 13th round and just take a chance on if he does terrible the first couple of weeks you can drop him easily without much um, consequence best ball yeah perfect for best ball he will definitely be one of those guys that goes off um, one week and then completely destroys your team the next all right I'm in agreement there um, one of my my more disappointing si- signings I love Adam Humphreys he's headed off to Tennessee he's gonna play with uh, Marcus Mariota maybe Josh Tannehill Ryan Tannehill. Yes. Not Josh. Not Josh. I got Josh Allen on the brain. 
Um, <laughs> I'm sure we will see Ryan Tannehill at some point in the 2019 season with Mariota's inability to stay healthy. Um, I don't love the signing for for Humphreys. Love the signing for Tampa Bay. I love the fact. I, I love all the Tampa Bay assets. We saw Djax go to Philly. He's home. Um, what do you think about this impact on on the Tampa Bay offense for Evans, Godwin, OJ Howard? What uh, what does this do? Removing those two huge assets. Yeah, that's a lot of targets to go around. Humphreys was great in 2018. I'm not looking at him in 2019 with Tennessee. I'm staying away from that. Um, I think it's huge for Evans and Godwin and OJ Howard. Evans is probably my wide receiver one for next year. He already was um, in consideration for that. Now with the top, uh, you know, two great wide receivers for Tampa Bay leaving, I think that even makes him more solidified for that wide receiver one spot. I think he's going to have a huge year, especially under Bruce Arians, who just loves to pepper um, the targets to his wide receiver one. So I think that'll be great. OJ Howard, I fell in love with him last season. He is a beast when on the field. He has to just stay healthy. Can Um, I make a a humble brag? Yeah. I have him in every single one of my dynasty leagues. He is a great pass-catching tight end. I know we've been um, sort of back and forth. Winston just cannot stay away from the tight end. Yeah. He just can't. He, I, I'm not sure, you know, sort of what Bruce Arians um, and his offensive system is going to have in store for him. Um, you know, he might want to obviously get the wide receivers involved more, but I think that Winston's sort of safety valve throughout his entire career has been to target the tight end. And I think O.J. Howard is a perfect pass-catching tight end. I feel like he... Um, it's always just uh, he's solid. He's good. He's good for uh, like four catches, fifty yards, and honestly, in today's tight end landscape, that's really all you need. Yeah, I will if he can just fall, to, you know, to the sixth round, seventh round. I'm worried that the hype is going to be too high on him. I think a lot of people love him. Um, I hate that you have him in all the dynasty leagues because <laughs> I'm in all the leagues with you, and you're one of the few people that will not trade him. You and traded him to me in one of those leagues. Yeah, yeah. I did. Anyway. Um, how about yeah. uh, Nick Foles to Jacksonville? Um, I mean, I like the signing for Jacksonville. Um, I'm excited for Foles to get his contract. I think he will help them win games. Um, as far as fantasy production, it does nothing for me. I'm not going to pick him on a Jacksonville offense that you know isn't too high on throwing the ball often. They like to run and play defense. Um, and then... It could be any one of the wide receivers that emerges full's favorite. So we're well, not Mon- going- Moncrief's out. Moncrief's out. Um, Keelan Cole. I. You loved him last. I loved year. him last <laughs> season. I loved him. I picked him up um, back in. I think it was the end of. And he showed some 20- flashes for sure. And I mean, we can just all agree that Blake Bortles wasn't having a great year in 2018. And what? I just – I have no idea what wide receiver I'd want on the offense for next year. Someone will emerge, but I'm just not willing to take the chance that I'm going to hit on it. Would you pick, um, say, like a Keelan Cole 14th round, 15th round, redraft? Nothing to lose. Those are your flyer picks. Um, um, I we think saw I'm the still upset over last year when I picked <laughs> <laughs> when I picked him in the last round instead of James Conner. Um, yeah. So I will probably stay away from Cole. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't have a huge trust in any of those wide receivers. Like I said, hopefully more um, 
hopefully we'll see more in the preseason. Maybe during those preseason games we'll see who he likes to target and we'll have a better understanding of who we should target in the late rounds for the drafts. All right. Um, Devin Funches to the Colts. I'm kind of interested in the signing. Um, not not as a wide receiver one, wide receiver two. I would say fringe wide receiver three, wide receiver four um, with flashes. I, I think um, with a solid quarterback such as Andrew Luck who really just – he came in stride last year with uh, the passing game. He, um, coming off the shoulder injury, nobody wanted to touch him. I think you got him in some leagues in, like, the 10th, 11th rounds. Yeah, and um, he was great for me. Yeah. <laughs> he he was great for everybody. He was he was a solid, solid QB one. He did not cost you anything. Um, but now he's got some more weapons. So, like, it, we had Ryan Grant last year. We saw a uh, Chester Rogers, those those were the people, you know, aside from T.Y. Hilton that uh, we saw emerge from that backfield. We saw him use the tight end a lot. Um, what do you think it's going to be for him uh, to have, like, a solid, I would say, wide receiver, too, in Devin Funches? Yeah, I think that would be huge for Andrew Luck. Um, it'll be great. He needs that, especially if T.Y. Hilton misses any time. Um, we saw how much of a struggle that was last year, and Eric Ebron really came out of his shell last year when uh, – there was no pass catchers left in that offense, and he was just targeted an insane amount. So I think the biggest person or the, the person to take the biggest hit off of this signing would be Ebron for sure. He's not going to see the same amount of targets as he did last year. I think, I think though, he's going to see – he's still going to be involved in the red zone, which yep. was huge. That was, that was probably my biggest concern with him from a, a fantasy standpoint is that most of his targets did come in the red zone. They didn't use him down the field quite as much as you would want to be a reliable fantasy asset, especially with, um, you know, the number of tight ends. I think they had, what, three or four yeah. tight ends that they just rotated through. Um, Jack Doyle was involved once he uh, had the kidney injury, which I haven't seen any updates as far as his his health status goes. Um, but he left the game with an injury. And after that point, I think we saw Ebron really take over that role he was a huge, huge asset in the red zone. Um, he was 10th in the league when it came to red zone targets. Uh, 13 total touchdowns on the season. 12 out of those 13 touchdowns came inside the 20. I don't really see that role changing for him. So um, maybe while you can't count on, you know, typical yardage and, and staple yardage from him, I think that we can still count on his usage in the red zone um, and still count on those touchdowns. But it's really hard to to focus on production when it comes from a fantasy standpoint if you're just relying on his use in the red zone. Yeah. I I don't love to target guys that you have to depend on touchdowns because those can be so random. But I do think he gets targeted enough in that red zone area to still give him uh, great value as a tight end, especially because tight ends have been so gross yeah. in fantasy lately. So he's still a good pickup, um, good target, good draft selection if you don't have to pick him too early, but his targets are definitely going to go down. As far as Funchess, I mean, he's still going to be Funchess. I think his best season was um, he was a starter with Cam Newton back in 2017, just, so just a couple years ago, but that was 840 yards, 63 receptions. I don't think he does any better than that, especially as the number two um, there. So I think his, I you know, a realistic outlook for him is maybe 700 yards, possibly five touchdowns. So no one that you're going to be too excited for in fantasy, but I think he helps 
I think he helps Hilton um, get open more on his side and then helps Andrew Luck with that second person to target and um, rely on. Now I'm going to draw the attention to one of our favorite uh, signings in the last week or so, Mark Ingram to the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I love this signing for the Ravens. I love this signing for Ingram. I think they're a great fit together. Um, Ingram never saw a huge carry count in New Orleans over his entire career, which um, amazes me. So the most carries he had was 230. Um, I think he sees more than that in Baltimore. Um, he will be 30 years old in the middle of the season, which is crazy to me. I thought he was a little bit younger than that, but I still think he has a lot left, especially because he didn't see those high um, carry counts. So his body shouldn't be too tired yet. Um, Gus Edwards, even last year, he didn't start till week 11. He didn't start seeing a lot of carries. I mean, he had 130 rushing attempts throughout the year. So if he can have 137 actually um, rushing attempts, um, not even starting until week 11, then I think that Ingram's easily going to see 275, maybe even 300. And with Lamar Jackson as your quarterback, that opens up a lot of holes because teams have to be um, scared that Jackson's just going to keep the ball. So they have to have their eye on both people. And I think that really helps the running back, whoever that may be. And Ingram just is the perfect powered back for that system and he can catch passes out of the backfield which is something that I think a lot of us were looking for um you know we, we saw Ken Dixon emerge um in the second half of the season we really saw literally no usage of Gus Edwards in the passing game he had two targets all of last season after emerging um really literally a, a complete and total utter uninvolvement Mark Ingram can catch passes. Yeah. Um, and we don't know if that's because Lamar Jackson just doesn't play that style of football where he dumps it off. Um, we'll have to see if that changes in 2019, if he actually has the running back that can do that. Maybe he'll start utilizing him more um, in that way. But Ingram can definitely catch the ball and make some plays there. So I think he's going to be great. He's definitely someone I'm going to target in drafts. I think people will be low on him. Um, so I think he's a really good value for next year. And what do you think about Gus Edwards? Where do you uh, – Not draftable. He's not draftable for me. Really? Not yeah. even like a, a 14th, 15th round flyer? No. I think he's a good keep. You don't want to sell him right now in Dynasty. He's a good keep in case Mark Ingram gets hurt. Um, Gus Edwards can come in. But Baltimore has been all over the place with their running backs over the last few years. I think they just didn't know who to rely on, who they can rely on. They just didn't have anyone great in that backfield. Um, they're paying Mark Ingram. They're going to feed him the ball. They're not going to worry about the rest of the backs on their team. All right. A um, couple more news news items to talk about. Uh, Adrian Peterson re-signs with the Redskins at the two-year deal. Uh, we saw Darius Geis tear his ACL in the preseason the last year. Um, everybody was super hyped on him. They took him in the second round. Um, looked good. I think it, this was one of his first carries. It was uh, the one of the saddest things I've ever seen because um, uh, he had just this bullish move um, and we learned he tore his ACL. We didn't get to see him play a single snap after that. Um, he yeah. came out later. He required multiple surgeries. We'll see how that sort of plays out into 2019. I'm not sure, you know, what sort of workload we could expect for him, but I think that this signing indicates to us that maybe they wouldn't intend to give him sort of that work workhorse workload. Yeah, and I wasn't that high on Geis even before they re-signed AP. So it's not anything to do with talent. We obviously saw he's very talented. Um, 
in college and then uh, in the preseason before he tore his ACL, he was looking like he was going to be a great piece to that offense. It has more to do with uh, running back coming off ACL tear. It's going to take some time for him to get back to his normal self. He's on a really bad offense. I mean, what? who is the quarterback for 2019? Cole McCoy. Cole McCoy. Did Case Keenum just get traded there, right? Yeah. Yeah, so – Either way, I'm not <laughs> excited for this offense. He's going to have less opportunities for, um, you know, scoring potential. My vote's on Colt McCoy, by the way. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> honestly. And even if they do get to the goal line, um, the few times they do, now we have AP to worry about if he's going to take those carries away. Um, I probably would just stay away from guys. And I think even at Adrian Peterson's current age, what is he, 31? He seems um, like a dinosaur at this point. He is a dinosaur. Um, he has to be way older than Ingram. Just kidding. He is three, 33 years and 361 days. Happy birthday, Adrian. Um, <laughs> so he is uh, dinosaur age. Um, and we still saw him be very elusive. I, like, I remember um, last year against the te- or Texans, um, everybody was having concerns about him versus that. Uh, defensive line, I don't think anybody, and he just like swam through the defensive line, and I'm pretty sure he scored two touchdowns in that game, if I'm not mistaken. He looked, he he still looked fresh, he still looked young. Um, rotate Geis in there, keep those legs fresh for Adrian Peterson. Definitely hurts uh, Geis's dynasty stock, um, at least for this upcoming season. If you're in rebuilding mode, he might. this might be a good time to trade for Geis. Yeah. I completely agree. Guys will be okay. Just I don't want him in 2019. But if you have him in Dynasty, hold on to him. Um, I think he'll be okay. I, once he recovers from this injury, a lot of players say um, it takes that whole first year and they don't feel themselves, and then that second year they're great again. So don't be too down on him if he has a kind of a rough 2019. I think that's why they did re-sign AP, um, just in case he's feeling any of that injury still. Um, one of uh, the pieces of breaking news that has literally just popped up on our phones, um, Miami has a new starting quarterback, Mr. Ryan Fitzmagic. Yeah. He just loves the AFC East, huh? Yeah, he does. Um, Bills, what, Bills, Jets, yeah. Miami. <laughs> I just I feel bad for any quarterback that's a Miami quarterback this year. They're clearly in tank mode. They're okay with that. Even though we did think that going into 2018 season, then they all surprised us with their um, mono wins that they did have, and they were competitive. So we never know. And Fitzpatrick it can be a good quarterback for a few games. I'm not sure he can handle a whole whole season. We've seen a I, lot of interceptions. I, and I, I, I honestly, I, I, I do like Tampa Bay. I like Tampa Bay. Probably my favorite NFC team. I. I really like the Tampa Bay offense, and I, I really like Ryan Fitzpatrick's attitude. He's a veteran. Um, I think he's sort of in, like, don't give a crap mode. Yeah. He's like, I'm just going to toss this into the air. But who is he going to throw to? Devontae Parker? Devontae Parker. Just, I'm uh, so over talking about Devontae Parker. Worked a, on a new deal. As a possible fantasy option. He's just never going to be a fantasy Do option. Do you think with the coaching change um, – like, is there any potential there that we're going to see him blossom into this new... Oh, you know, everyone loves Albert Wilson. With this Fitzpatrick, Wilson <laughs> speed, you never know. Um, he did... Fitzpatrick did great things for uh, Deshaun Jackson when he was in the game. So this might help Wilson. I've been saying that Wilson's uh, 
stock is just way too high for me right now. And But with this Fitzpatrick signing, I actually kind of like him. He would be a good late-round pick, um, Albert Wilson. And I think um, after last year, Kenny and Drake just great, great best ball play. Yeah. I like Kenny Drake this year. I mean, I don't. I, Brian Flores has to get him the ball. Yeah. Gase obviously just hated him. He, I don't know what, I don't know what he did to him. <laughs> he had him family, in timeout like half of the year. Yeah. And Drake can just be so explosive. He's super dynamic. Anytime he touched the ball, he did great things. I don't Family know why miracle. they didn't try to get him the ball more. Um, so hopefully we'll see. He can't be a workhorse back. He's too small for that. He'll get hurt. But just get him more involved in the game. Um, get him that ball and space, and he'll do some great things. So And I actually, think- let's, let's talk about the fact that the Miami Miracle was, in fact, against the uh, New England Patriots. Yeah. Or Flores was the coach or defensive coach. So let's let's take that and say, you know, maybe, maybe Flores, you know, shows some respect for his game. <laughs> yeah. Um just based on past experience. I feel like I always told everyone to sit Drake, which was usually correct, right. Correct yeah. most of the time. And then I swear those those weeks where I'd be all in on hating on Drake, not because of his talent, but because he never got the ball. He would randomly, you know, just get this this pass to him and he'd take it 75 yards. And I was like, Ugh. and everyone would be so upset that I told him to sit him. But it was so hard to tell when they're actually going to feed him the ball and when they weren't. So if they would just focus on him in the offense, I think it'll be great. And usually those games, though, where he did explode, it wasn't really due to the fact that they, like, fed him the ball and yeah. got him super involved. It was usually because Drake forced himself to get involved and forced the ball down the field. Yeah. Last year I was super low on Drake in, in redraft. I was not going to select him no matter, no matter how far he fell. I just did not feel like he was going to be used correctly. This year now I think I'm going to like I'm going to target him in some drafts if he's falling in the right place um, in redrafts. Um, that's it for news and notes. Um, a couple other things we wanted to talk about. So there have been some big – Big monster contracts coming into this new league year. Um, league year became uh, officially started. Is that how how I should say that? Yeah. Um, league year started on Wednesday um, at 4 p.m. and the contracts just had already flown in. We we saw a lot of big signings. Yeah, you know there was no tampering happening there, right? No. <laughs> what was yeah. it, like 12.05? Was it even? Was it 12.03? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, the, the legal tampering period began Monday at 12 p.m., and I think by 12.05 we had the biggest uh, contract ever signed for an offensive lineman, um, which we know was only negotiated in that five yeah. minutes. Oh, minute. yeah, they decided on everything. He took the very first offer given to him, and he was like, Absolutely. let's go. Of course, yeah, he was Nothing ready. Nothing happened there No illegally. tampering happened before no. that. Um, regardless, we've seen some big, big contracts um, that were doled out. Big money, um, possibly, you know, some players overpaid. Yeah. Um, we see a lot of that in free agency every year. There's very average players given huge contracts. Um, some end up being great for their team that they sign with. Some end up being a huge disappointment. Because, some, you know, it's, sometimes it's hard to see, you know, any of these sort of average players really make it to the free agency market. Um, you know, if, if they're a player that can um, be traded or what have you, or God, like the Lev Bell situation, we see all these moves um, are made and, you know, it – it's hard to ever picture some of these guys ever making it free agency. They finally do. There's an average guy out there as opposed to all the, the you know, maybe less talented players. 
so they get the money. So uh, today we want to talk about some players in fantasy that you might have to overpay for um, that you may end up regretting. Yeah, you may on. not get a good return on your investment. You just have to pay a really large price for them, and they may not return everything that you hope. All right. Who's yeah. your number one? My number one's Michael Thomas, and this is because everyone Boo. everyone loves Michael Thomas. I love Michael Thomas. I love his talent. I love him as a player. Um, he's fantastic. However, you're paying a very, very early second-round pick for him, maybe even possible late first-round pick, depending on how large your league is. Um, so that's just a really high price to pay for someone that has such large home road splits. And that has nothing to do with him. It has everything to do with his quarterback, who is also fantastic. But for some reason... One of the goats. Yeah, he's a goat. He's awesome. I love Drew Brees. But for some reason on the road, he's just not as good. Once he gets out of his dome, he just cannot be as productive. They don't throw as much. And that hurts Michael Thomas. So on in, in home, in the dome, uh, Michael Thomas had 822 yards, six touchdowns. He averaged 12.09 yards per reception. On the road, he had... 583 yards, three touchdowns, and average two less yards per reception. If you're going to pay that much money for a top tier money. draft stock, draft stock, well, same thing, right? You pay cash for your picks. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I pay off some uh, draft picks there, but no. Um, if you're going to pay that much for to draft him in the early second, I want a guy that's reliable every single week. And knowing that Michael Thomas is going to disappoint you on the road. Um, every time he has to play away. That's just not somebody I want to put um, that much value into. Well, and I think um, there's also a concern when it comes to Drew Brees aging. And I know um, we've got Tom Brady in here. He's going to play until he's 300 years old. Um, but you, Drew Brees, he's 40 years old. Um, you don't know. And I think maybe in the last year or so, we did start to see some of that um, regression as he ages, but like what, what sort of impact is that going to have moving forward on his home road splits? Yeah. Or in general, you know, the fantasy value when it comes to, you know, the assets that are relying on him to move the ball and rocket it down the field. And we saw Breeze be just so awesome in the first eight games. The first half of the season, he was, he was killing it. He was doing so good and that really helped Michael Thomas. So in the first eight games of last year. Um, Michael Thomas had three games over 100 yards um, with only one bus game. And when I'm saying bus game, it's under 50 yards with no touchdowns. That's a Terrible complete bus. bus yeah. That's someone you do not want on your roster he that sucks. week. He can just completely destroy you. Um, and then in the last eight games of the season, um, so the difference there, he only had one game over 100 yards and he had four bus games. That's four bus games in eight weeks. Um, and, again, that's under 50 yards and no touchdowns. So half the time in the second half of the season, he was just really disappointing you and hurting your hurting your roster and probably losing you weeks. Well, and I think he's a he definitely is a solid um, PPR asset. He's involved. You know that him and Drew Brees have that chemistry. Um, but for me, the biggest concern is his catch percentage. Um, last year – he caught 85% of his passes, which is just sort of off the charts. Um, 2017, 69.8%. 2016, 76%. It, it, even if you get that target share, um, he's averaged right around like 130, 140 targets per season. Um, even if you get those targets, I just don't think we can rely on um, that sort of catch percentage to yeah. sustain itself in the next year. I think free agency was good to him. They didn't 
pick up a second wide receiver. Um, maybe they'll draft someone high, but Traquan Smith last year never really showed up um, besides that. He flashed. He, he had certain flashes, but most games he disappeared. So he should still see a huge amount of targets. Um, he'll be that target monster again. But And if it wasn't for his price in the draft, I would be happy to pick him. But there's so many wide receivers that are going to go right around him that are just much more consistent. All right, I'm I'm in agreement with you there. Although I do love Michael Thomas, I think he's outstandingly talented. Um, and, and nobody come at me for that. I love Michael <laughs> Thomas. I love Michael Thomas. It's just yeah, uh, you're gonna get the hate. Too much money. I keep saying money. Too much. I would pay. I would pay him cash. <laughs> pay him cash for him to be on your team. Be on my okay. fantasy team. Well, he, you can take him, and I'll take someone like Mike Evans that's going right around him. God, I love Mike Evans too. I love all these guys. Um, moving on. So this is my my very first uh, buyer beware candidate. Um, don't hate me for this. I feel like I'm going to get a lot of trash for this because I am a Steelers fan. Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, sorry. Um, I agree. Le'Veon Bell. I still think he's going to be a top ten running back. I see him more in the like lower echelon of that group. Um, I think it's going to take some time for him to get back up to speed after this year off. I think um, we saw him sit out the 2018 year. Um, We also saw him sit out the 2017 preseason, um, saw him sit out the training camps, OTAs, all of these off-season activities that really helped to get these guys in football shape. Um, He wasn't there. Um, I I really do have my concerns about sort of his – um, just overall response to that time off. I know there were sort of reports um, that Lev Bell had seen up to 260 pounds in the off season, which I'm not sure that I totally. Yeah, buy I don't. In. I don't believe that. I, what was it? Word on the street, right? Word on the street. Nobody and I, really knows who's talking. Just <laughs> who is on, on the, the street. street? Yeah, just so <laughs> they can go up to us. Who, uh, you know, I, I occasionally spend time in the streets. <laughs> so yeah, ask me. Ask me my thoughts on Le'Veon Ball's weight in the offseason. But I I think, um, yeah, that was that was the wording, and that was like one of those sleeper bottle alerts. Word on the street, Lev Bell ballooned up to 260 pounds in the offseason. Um, you know, it, I just have my concerns because after seeing him sit out the preseason, after sitting him, seeing him sit out in those, um, you know, training camp, all those activities, he was slow to start. In 2017, um, first four games, he did show up week one, um, you know, supposedly ready to play. Um, and he just didn't look like the same guy. No, I had him in fantasy that year on one of my main leagues. And I was just wondering when he was going to finally look like himself. And it did end up happening. Um, he ended up being great for me. But it took him some time to catch up. And I think it's going to – I don't think a year off can help make that any better. Yeah, and, it, you know – all these players go through, you know, every single offseason. They do get time off, but they should be training, and you know, which they do. I think um, the biggest thing with Le'Veon Bell is going to be: Will Sam Darnold use him in the passing game? Because Bell has never been, at least not in 2017, anyways, that dynamic on the ground. So he only hit over 100 rushing yards once in the last eight games of 2017. He had uh, nine games total in the whole 2017 season um, with less than 80 rushing yards. Um, Four of those games were under 50 yards. So he's really – you rely on him if you have him in the passing game. So we need to see if Darnold's going to use him or not. And if he's not going to use him like Ben, he's going to take a huge hit in fantasy. Well, and I think um, in the last year, I want to say that Sam Darnold, let's see, 
Um, he put out probably, uh, I'm going to say around 80 passes to the running back, 80 targets to the running back. Um, but those were to, to players like uh, Elijah McGuire, Isaiah Crowell, um, guys who you know maybe have been used in the passing game, but none of them would be considered um, like pass-catching backs. Like Lev Bell is a pass-catching back, and he is sort of that that mold that you, that you're looking at when you're looking at these proficient pass catchers. Um, and none of those guys that we saw in 2018 were that sort of mold of running back. So it's going to be something different for Sam Darnold that I don't think we've ever seen before. Yeah. And I want everyone to be aware that Le'Veon Bell may look like he had great numbers in 2017. He did. He did. But he got fed the ball more than I think he was top five in history for the amount of touches he had of that ball. Um, so he should see that production for the number of touches he yeah. had. He should be He should see that. And really his efficiency was super low for that many of touches. He only had 4.02 yards per attempt. Um, and that was very much helped by his Kansas City game where he had 5.59 yards per attempt. And that was insanely high for his other games. So that was an out, outlier, and that really helped his final overall. Um, so that 4.02 he's lucky to have. He should be in the threes. And that's pretty bad for a running back. Um, I would be a little bit worried that he was already on um, the decline in 2017, and now he's a couple years older. We'll see how he is. I think both me and Kate will agree that he'll still be a top 10 running back. He's oh, going for to see, sure. He's going to see the volume. He's talented enough to still be a top 10 running back, but his he'll be pretty costly. He's going to go high. Um, do you think second round still? I would say early second. Yeah, um, I think people. Take, yeah. I don't know what I don't know what people are doing with him in Dynasty. Um, he's been one of those sort of assets. Like you either had to hold on to him or sell him cheap. Um, I like, would hold on to him until he has an. A, he's going to have some just oh, he's beastly ball, games, especially PPR. Yeah, yeah, he's going to have some great games. So maybe that first game that he goes all out, you trade him and you trade him for a lot, and you'll see what you can get back. Obviously, don't trade him unless you can get a big, um, a lot of value back for him, but. I don't think he's going to be as great in fantasy as he was um, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right. Uh, next guy up, someone I know you're very passionate <laughs> about. I see it all over Twitter. People love Corey Davis. So in the last two seasons, he's played 27 games. Um, out of those 27 games, you could be happy you played him four times. Um, and when I say happy, so I, I, I was looking at his stats, and I was looking to see when he had more than 75 receiving yards or he had more than 50 yards um, and a touchdown. So out of all of those 27 games, you could only be happy you played him four times. That's 14.8% of the time that you were happy, and 85% of the time you were just completely disappointed because he busted in your lineup. I want to be happy more more percentage times than that. Yeah, me too. Uh, he, I don't know, I would watch games and he would just disappear. You just didn't see him. He's six foot three. He should not be disappearing in games. He should be targeted in the red zone. And I don't care if it has to do with his talent or it has to do with his quarterback. Um, Mariota is going to be there in 2019. And if it's not Mariota, it's going to be Ryan Tannehill, which does not make me any more excited. Um, even if they end up drafting a quarterback, he won't be starting until 2020. And then you have to deal with, you know, a rookie quarterback with a wide receiver, which never ends up being great for fantasy. Um, so our best outlook is that he's – great in 2021, which I'm not waiting for that. Um, so in the last 20 years, there have been 28 wide receivers taken um, in the NFL draft in the NFL draft in the top 10. Uh, 
the ones that have been great were great in the first two seasons. So that's Andre Johnson, Calvin Johnson, AJ Green, Paxico Burris, Julio Jones, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, Sammy Watkins. They all showed greatness in those by the end of their second season. So you're saying we should know pretty pretty quickly. Yeah. I know that it takes some time for wide receivers to produce in the NFL, but when yeah, you're drafted in those top ten, um, you're supposed to show it a little sooner. They just don't um, – and just the wide re- receiver position, they don't come into the NFL. Like running backs, they can generally pick up their blocking schemes. They can they can pick up the offense pretty fast. Um, there's a lot to adjust to for wide receivers in the NFL, but as far as coming out, producing – you should probably be – if you're going to be something, you should be adjusted by – And a lot of that is, has a lot to do with the wide receiver being that number one target, so working their way up to the number one target. Corey Davis started at that. Um, he was drafted for that. He's supposed to be the number one guy, and he just hasn't been able to show anything and produce. So um, guys that were drafted in the top ten that completely just didn't show us anything after the second season, um, Kevin White, Darius Haywood Bay, Tavon Austin, um, Mike Williams from Detroit, Justin Blackman, and the list goes on and on. I see him more in that group than I do that that first group I mentioned. And I think our best case scenario is someone like Michael Crabtree. He's one of the only ones that are right in that middle there where he he's not a huge disappointment. He's had some good years. Um, he's but somebody that might be better for the, the NFL team yeah, than he fantasy. is for fantasy. Yeah, exactly. And so we saw Michael Crabtree struggle at first in his career, and then he ended up being a pretty reliable wide receiver. And I think that's the best case scenario for Corey Davis. And if you want to hold on to him and – in case he becomes a microcrafty, that's fine. But I'm, Not I would let, I'm going to let someone else draft him. I think that's fair. Let him, let him take, uh, take Corey Davis off your hands, so you don't have to worry about the headache of. Again, all these guys, I feel like are such good best ball candidates. Yeah, <laughs> that's like my favorite word today is best ball. But Corey Davis, great best ball candidate, because he will explode. He'll win you a week, but he will also tank your team right into the ground. Um, my next buyer beware, Tyler Lockett. I love the Seattle offense. I love Russell Wilson. Um, Russell Wilson has been one of my favorite quarterbacks since I started playing fantasy. He's um, so fun to watch. He's dynamic, so hyper-efficient. Um, in the last season, that's, that's honestly the root of all my concerns regarding Tyler Lockett. Um, Tyler Lockett caught, uh, let's see, 81.4% of his passes this year. Um, he did so with um, the fact that, you know, Doug Baldwin wasn't healthy all year round. Um, I think before the season even started, Doug Baldwin came out to tell everybody, you know, I, I don't plan to be 100% healthy at any point this season. Always a red flag. Um, but, you know, like it, to, to have an 81.4% catch rate when your average has been right around the 65% mark for the, the three years prior – I don't think you're going to be sustaining that. I think Russell Wilson, you know, also hyper-efficient. The run game um, was really the dominant part of that offense in 2018. Um, I, I just don't see it. So every I, single year. Sorry. My biggest thing with Tyler Lockett is that when you look at his stats, right, targets 69, 66, 71, 70. Steady. Yeah. You would think that this year, being his breakout year, that he all of a sudden just saw a a ton of more targets, especially with Doug Baldwin hurt. He got exactly the same amount. I mean, you're you're right there. So he just, I mean, his yard just went, he just went skyrocketing. He's used to 600, around 600 yards a season. It went up to 965 um, with no more targets. That's not going to continue in that way. 
suddenly had 10 touchdowns. Yeah, uh, 10 touchdowns. Season six, one, and two. Um, I, I just don't see, given that we, we have a few years, we've seen the same offense, we've seen the same quarterback, there's really no other variables that changed aside from Doug Baldwin's involvement. And you didn't see that affect his target percentage, which I, I think is telling enough of sort of what we might be seeing in the next year or so. And 10 touchdowns off of 70 targets is unheard of. Uh, that's a perfect storm for regression. Uh, I think we can totally see him going back down his normal, which is honestly two and one touchdowns. He'll probably have more than that. So let's give him six touchdowns, but you're going to be disappointed with that if his touchdowns decrease. All right, I'm with you there. Um, I, again, I like Tyler Lockett. I like the Seattle offense, but I just can't see um, – I, I can't see his his value being good. I think a big common denominator between all these guys we have on this list is that we really like them as players. There's just cer um, certain circumstances that are keeping us from wanting to draft them um, in 2019. So As high one. as they might be drafted. Like Tyler Lockett – um, all, all these guys are guys that I would take, but maybe in the later rounds of what yeah, they're going. Besides Corey Davis, of course. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> first rounder for me. Yeah, he's the only one on this list that I just would not want on my team no matter what. But um, so the next one I'm getting at here is Patrick Mahomes. <gasps> Love the talent. <gasps> Love watching him play. No. He is one of my favorite players to watch every single time I saw him throw a pass. I swear I was like, oh, my God. And I freaked <laughs> out. But – his price, come on, like he's going in second round. He's going second round or even first rounds in some leagues, which is just insane. Home leagues, let's not. Yeah, in home leagues. And in your best case is he goes in the third, and I'm still not taking a quarterback in the third. He had 50 touchdowns last year, which is not going to keep up, and I know everyone's so excited. And I think he's going to get 57. Yeah. That Heinz 57. That Heinz 57, but that's not even his favorite catch-up. What's his favorite catch-up? I don't know. But Heinz is not. It is now. They paid him money. So yeah. I, I think that's changed for now. But uh, so you don't – what you're saying is you don't see him hitting that He's Heinz not, 57 no. mark for his touchdowns in 2019. What do you see uh, – what tells you that that's not what we're going to be seeing in 2019? So there have been four quarterbacks besides Pat Mahomes um, to throw more than 48 touchdowns in a single season. And everyone's going to say Pat Mahomes is different and he's going to be able to repeat it. But these quarterbacks I'm about to list were, are just as great as him and, you know, Hall of Fame quarterbacks. So Dan Marino in 1984 um, threw for 48 touchdowns. Um, the very next year, he only threw for 30. Um, Peyton Manning in 2004 threw for 49 touchdowns. The very next year, threw for 28. Um, Brady threw for 50 touchdowns in 2007, um, and then never threw for more than 39 touchdowns the rest of his career. So far. So far, of course. It's still going on. And then Peyton Manning again um, threw for 55 touchdowns in 2013. So that was nine years after his 49 touchdown year, um, and then went down to 39 touchdowns in 2014. Those are four great quarterbacks, or three great I think, quarterbacks. I think Mahomes probably will belong in that company. When we look at the end yeah. – of his career, it, he's definitely going to be, I think, um, in the likes of those guys. But he is not – although we do think he is superhuman, he's probably more 40 human. touchdowns is realistic for him. 40 touchdowns. I think that's being Which nice. Which is great. Yeah, it's being great. It's nice. And if the Tyreek Hill thing does come to light and he is guilty of 
whatever, you know, whatever um, then that number will definitely go down in my mind. But for right now, we'll keep him at 40 touchdowns. That's realistic. And that's not going to differentiate himself enough from the other quarterbacks to pick him in that third round. Um, 50 touchdowns was insane. It was 10 more touchdowns than anyone else, and that was huge. Um, but it was also – he was so great on your team because you picked him in, what, the 10th, 11th round? Um, or even undrafted. Yeah. He, yeah, some people got him off the waiver wires because – he wasn't even drafted. So that's why it was so much value to you. You still got to pick those great running backs and wide receivers um, in those early rounds, and you weren't sacrificing anything. You just stole a great quarterback at the end of the round. And that's what you really want to do. So I'm not willing to give up a Joe Mixon or a you know, Julio Jones or someone like that for Patrick Mahomes. I will just wait um, until the later rounds to take a tight end or yeah, a, I, I a think quarterback. I mean, this seems to be the overarching thing with pretty much any fantasy analyst um, literally in the business. Um, don't take your quarterbacks early. And, it, you know, super flex leagues, that's one thing. Um, even dynasty leagues, you might see, you know, the quarterbacks go a little early because you want to secure your franchise guy. But um, overall, when you're talking like a redraft league, you, do, you just don't see the point differential between, um, you know, your very best quarterback – which this year was Patrick Mahomes, year before Aaron Rodgers. Um, you just don't see the the point differential between, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the guy you pick off the waiver wire when you're streaming. You just don't see that. Um, there's just not a big enough differential between the two to sacrifice a top-end pick. And we saw this year um, the quarterbacks taken early were who Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, and they really hurt your team. Especially they didn't win in your league. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers did. Week 16. But you might not even have played you, you Aaron Rodgers. You didn't make the playoffs if you had Aaron Rodgers the whole year, probably. Um, or you, you cut him before then, or you traded him. So you didn't even have him I for the playoffs. I don't think you cut Aaron Did people cut no, Aaron No, nobody cut Aaron Rodgers. But you weren't playing him anyways. Like, I played Josh Allen over Rodgers in the playoffs and ended up working for me. Um, but that's where my mindset was with, with Rodgers. You know, he was you a disappointment him. drafting him that early. The same thing with Watson. The same thing with um, – Wilson and when you draft a quarterback that early you're stuck with him like you just said like I didn't drop Aaron Rodgers right and he probably should have been dropped I mean he was just not consistent yeah he was not consistent enough he really hurt your team um I like the opportunity to stream quarterbacks if you take a quarterback late so if I'm taking a late round quarterback and they don't end up working out for me I can happily cut them and just start streaming I'm not stuck with anybody now, where – what would you say the – like, uh, say he's available mm -hmm. at any point. What's the earliest that you're taking Patrick Mahomes? If he's available, let's – I mean, this is completely hypothetical. He won't be. He won't There's be available. There's probably not a spot I'm going to take him because he's going to go first, and I like Andrew Luck more than him. Okay. Um, so, so you're just not taking him? Yeah, I'm just not going – I mean, obviously, if he's dropping to the sixth round, which will never happen. He's going to fall to the town. <laughs> if he falls to the sixth round, then maybe, but – um, I would love to have Andrew Luck on all my teams, but again, he's going to go too early. Maybe if Andrew Luck were to fall to the 10th round, that's someone I would possibly take that early. Keep dreaming. Yeah. <laughs> Never going to happen. Um, all right, my next candidate for um, buyer beware, Philip Lindsay. Do not come at me, Broncos fans. I love Philip Lindsay. He is a badass little dude. He's, he does not have the build of a, a workhorse back, and yet you see him power through that outline like he weighs 350 pounds. Like, it, he's so tiny. He's elusive. He moves. He can catch passes. Watching him play, it's great. He he's just, dynamic. Yeah, he works so hard. You can tell how much it, the game means to him. Um, he looks awesome out there. He's angry, too. Yeah. Like, he's he 
he was upset that um, his home team, the Denver Broncos, didn't pick him. He's a Colorado boy, um, and they just they passed on him. They took Royce Freeman in the third round. Um, I think it was like the 71st overall pick, um, and they they skipped him right up. And then all of a sudden, week one comes out of the gate. Everybody drafted Royce Freeman early. I think at, at some point. Oh, he was going in the, the hype third. In the third, yeah, and. Um, so all of us were sort of anxiously awaiting that um, that usage to sort of pop up. And guess who came out of the gate? Philip Lindsay. Yeah. He was a beast. He um, had 15 carries in week one, I think. Um, nobody knew who this guy was. If you got Philip Lindsay off your waiver wire after his week one performance, you had a stud for the rest of the season. He was pretty much free. Nobody so knew what to think. why are you hesitant about him in 2019? Oh, goodness. Okay, so like I said, I love him. I could talk about him all day. Um, his max carry count in 2018 was 19 carries, and that was against Cincinnati, which was just a supremely poor run defense. Um, they clearly scripted that game um, to feature the rushing attack. Um, but other than that, if you sort of take out these games, um, he was ejected at one of the games. There were two games where he had four carries, um, aside from those two two games, um, and then his 19-yard or 19-attempt game, his average overall was 13 carries per game, um, which isn't super high. And again, he's not a, a feature work, workhorse back. I don't think he's too small. He had the wrist injury at the end of last year. You don't want to pound this kid into the ground because his frame isn't built for it. Yeah. And I think he's going to go in the third round around that area. And in that round, you want to find a guy that's going to get 20, around 20 carries a game, and I just don't think that he's ever going to see that. And as great as he is, I'm not, I don't want to put all my eggs in a basket for a, a running back that's going to see 13 carries a game. And I think, um, you know, just in general as an organization, the, the Broncos at some point are going to have to sort of investigate what is Royce Freeman? What do we draft him for? We took him overall at, at the 71st pick. Um, what are we going to do with him? You can't just sit this guy on the bench, and it's sort of the same philosophy I have. Um, right now with uh, Rashad Penny. You know, it, you got to explore those avenues at some point. You can't just let them sit on the bench. Royce Freeman, it, he saw a minimal workload in yeah. 2018, despite his good. draft capital. When, he was great. Yeah, yeah he um, he had, a, I think, four point, like, two yards per carry. Um, not bad, solid. Um, but, you know, you want to see him get some of that workload so you can sort of figure out what, what do you have with the, the draft stock that you put into him. Yeah. Um, so just with the coaching change, you know, he, he didn't, he, he doesn't cost anything. He's an undrafted free agent. Um, they're always going to follow the money. They're always going to follow the draft stock when it comes down to it. So like there's just not the allegiance there. So I worry that he might not get the consistent carry count. Um, and I think he's one of those guys that if he does end up falling into the late fourth, early fifth, I'd be happy to take a chance oh, on him Oh, I'd be then. very happy to have him, But yeah. in that third round, you're still looking for those workhorse backs, and he's just he doesn't have the build to be that. I'm in agreement with you there. And one last guy I kind of want to touch on here before we end the show is Baker Mayfield. Uh, me and Kate, uh, we both love Baker. Love him. Uh, he's probably our favorite quarterback right now in the NFL, but, but. His hype right now is <gasps> insane, and we all think he's going to be great. Um, it has nothing to do with his talent again. He will be great, but just remember, he's going into his second year. Uh, he has to make that connection with OBJ. He's going to go as a top four quarterback, I think. 
Well, yeah, who would you – where would you sort of rank quarterbacks right now? Patrick Mahomes, Andrew Luck. Um, I would still have Russell in front of him, Rodgers. There's, he, I, he's only going to be my quarterback seven this year, and that's still a huge bump up from last really? year. Yeah, I think that's very fair, very okay. realistic. He's going to go as a top four quarterback. And I just don't see that return on investment for him. He had 27 touchdowns last year, which is great. Um, hit, you know, he hit that rookie – Rookie record. Yeah, that rookie record. Uh, but let's rookie say a candidate. Let's say he gets the 33 touchdowns. He goes up five touchdowns. He's still not going to be that top four quarterback. And I think he should be drafted more around that quarterback seven range. But with so much hype around him right now, he's, he's going to go, go far too early. He's just, like I said, I like to draft my quarterbacks later. So, unfortunately, as much as I would love, love, love to have Baker on my fantasy team, and to, I just, I can't. I can't see myself ever picking him that early where he's going to go. Would you Would you prefer him as like a dynasty asset that he wouldn't oh, be drafted? Oh, yes. I would love Where Where does he rank, rank for you in terms of dynasty asset? Because for me, he's QB3. Yeah. Uh, I would want Andrew Luck before him. Probably Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes and Andrew Luck, and that's it for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I said probably. Yeah, I want Pat Mahomes more than Baker. It's hard. I just love Baker so much. <laughs> He's <laughs> fun to watch. So, yeah. like, last year, um, Michelle and I were actually at a, a bar in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Rivalry. Rivalry. Like, uh, yeah. it was absolutely incredible. So, we were at this bar. Lots of Steelers fans around. Um, watching the Jets game on a Thursday night. The Jets versus Cleveland game. Jets versus Cleveland game. Yeah. And um, Baker Mayfield came to the game. And... Literally, the entire bar, like, erupted in cheers. Yeah. And we're talking about Pittsburgh fans here. And, like, yeah. And everyone was so pumped. Every single time that Baker threw a completion, the bar was just so pumped. He is just electric. He gets everybody excited. He's um, a great leader for his team. I know that, you know, there have been some, um, you know, maybe concerns from, like, teams and um, from analysts in the perspective that, like, maybe his maturity level is – not ideal, which, I'm sorry, which, what young boy, yeah. like, under the age of 35 <laughs> has a maturity level that's... He's 23. He's Everyone right, needs yeah. to come down with the maturity level thing. And that attitude is exactly what Cleveland needed. It, what, he wasn't like, oh, I got drafted by Cleveland. Ro- I'm like so that, sad. Josh Rosen. Yeah, that's... Josh Rosen clearly didn't want to come to Cleveland. Baker lived for that. He was like, I'm going to change this franchise around. And he did just that. He made everyone excited to be a Cleveland Brown um, and, you know, you just see these free agents now excited to be a Cleveland Brown when they get traded there or if they get signed. That's the actual city they want to go to now and a you team they want to join. You take the city of Cleveland, you put it on your back, and that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and a shout-out to City Works. Uh, yeah. They, they <laughs> won against the Jets, and, you know, the whole Bud Light, uh, what was Bud it? Bud Light Cooler. Yeah, the Bud Light Coolers Unlocked when they are opening the those. Unlocked the Coolers when they finally won the game. Uh, they gave us free Bud Light when they won. Uh, so we could be part of the celebration for uh, Cleveland's first win. Yeah, and that's in Pittsburgh. Like, that's awesome. Pittsburgh, so. yeah. Pittsburgh. That's what I'm saying. Pittsburgh was so excited, um, which I feel like you just don't see that often. Um, when a rivalry city is, is also celebrating the emergence of this kid. Um, love the asset. I love Baker Mayfield. I, I tried a blockbuster offer for him this week. Didn't work out. Nobody's selling him. Um, it's going to be impossible to get him. He's going to go high. I, like I said, I think he's more of a, a dynasty asset. Give him time to develop. Um, and it, it's also going to be interesting to see, I think, with Freddie Kitchens um, 
as as the new head coach, and they've got two stellar running backs right now. They've got Nick Chubb, they've got Kareem Hunt, who's coming back after eight games. Yeah, well, be it'll be interesting to see how they deal with that. How are they going to give them both a good amount of carries? Because if Chubb is killing it in the beginning of the year, you why, can't just why sit disrupt him. it? Yeah. So maybe they can do a New Orleans thing in 2017 where both Ingram and Kamara were great. Hopefully that's how they can use Hunt and Chubb. Well, and I think um, you're just going to have to sort of learn um, how to deal with the number of of mouths that need fed on this new offense. There's a lot of talent. There's so much talent, and you got to figure out sort of how to disperse that. So um, I think Baker Mayfield's going to have an easy time, but they've got two running backs that are going to – kill it in the second half of the season. They've got still have Duke Johnson. He might not be on the roster to start the 2019 uh, season, but y- you you just don't really know how their offense is going to shake out, and it's it's a risky investment, might pull out, but I, I just don't, I yeah, don't know I that's wish, worth it. I kind of wish – I know Cleveland right now is in the market to trade Duke Johnson. I wish they would keep him um, right up to that trade deadline, and then once Hunt's coming back. Try to trade him somewhere that's quarter, or that's running back needy. Maybe there's a running back injury, and you can try to trade Duke Johnson then. But we'll see what happens to him in the next few weeks or so. All right. I, I love all our picks. Um, please shout us out. Tell us if we missed anybody. Let's get this dialogue rolling. Tell us what you think. Um, again, please hit that subscribe button. We're so excited um, to get this ball rolling. We, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. We hope you hit subscribe. We hope you retweet. Um, Literally any anything to get our our brand out there. We we appreciate you helping us out. Um, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you guys again soon. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>